Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Kicks and Dribbles. I'm Dan McClay, where every week we look at world soccer and see what's going on. And my goodness, have we got a lot going on this week. And I'm happy to start the show with a great amount of news regarding the Africa Nations Championship. This is the first tournament to be held on the African continent since COVID-19 infiltrated our lives. This is a, a great moment because now we've got nations playing each other although uh, capacity at the stadium is going to be uh, somewhat regulated, obviously, but we've got nations going on and playing each other competitively. And then the African uh, Cup of Nations will start up later, uh, being hosted by the same country. So we want to say merci beaucoup to Cameroon, who is hosting the African Nations Championship, and then later on the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, they are doing this in their cities, and it's just a great uh, thing that they're doing. Uh, the cities for the African Nations Championship are Yaoundé, the capital, coastal city of Douala, and also Limbe. Those are the three cities where this tournament's being held. Now, in case you're not familiar with the African Nations Championship, it's actually called the Total African Nations Championship because Total, the uh, oil and gas company that's very prominent in France, uh, has signed an eight-year sponsorship for this tournament. This tournament was founded back in the 2007 uh, area and uh, has been going on for about every other year. Uh, Morocco was the last champion, crowned in 2018. Now, this tournament was originally supposed to start uh, in April 2020 and be over and done with, but the course of COVID was just uh, getting ramped up, unfortunately, at that time. So uh, they're playing the uh, April 2020 version of African Nations Championship now. As I said, it's in the country of Cameroon. Um, and the way this tournament is set up, these are uh, players – who play for a club team in their home country. In other words, you've got uh, players who are from Cameroon, born and raised in Cameroon, and are playing for a team in the Cameroonian League. You've got uh, teams from both Congos, DR Congo and the Congo, or Brazzaville Congo as it's called. And these are players who are playing in those leagues and are from those countries. What they're trying to do is eliminate the uh, players, or not eliminate, but uh, make it more of a level playing field so that you don't have players who are playing up in Europe and who have more uh, experience, uh, maybe have a little better uh, training uh, by uh, some really top-class coaches. I'm not saying that the people in Africa are by you know anywhere lower class or anything like that, but what I'm saying is this is the way the playing field has been leveled, and it makes for a great tournament. You've got four groups, uh, total of 16 teams. Uh, they have started this past week, and the first game – well, the first two games were very, very uh, close, but the, the second game of the first day was Cameroon against Zimbabwe, and this was an, an amazing uh, match because it was played in front of a stadium that was 25% capacity. Uh, everybody was social distancing. I saw the video. Everybody had masks on. Uh, it was very well handled, very well controlled. Uh, Cameroon came away with a one nothing win, and the guy who, uh, who led Cameroon to the victory uh, is a guy who uh, was born and raised, obviously, in Cameroon. A beautiful bicycle kick uh, in the 73rd minute. Uh, it was Solomon Banga. Uh, he plays for Cotton Sport de Garoa there in Cameroon, in the Cameroonian League. Uh, he is an up-and-coming uh, player for sure. Uh, he will be in Europe, I guarantee you, in the next couple of years. Um, he just he came up from his center defender position and got into the edge of the penalty box, which is what you're supposed to do, especially in late in the game. If you're looking to get that goal, kind of push the ball a little bit toward that uh, that offensive goal. Uh, the uh, shot was originally taken 
uh, off the corner kick. I was a header, and the goalie uh, for Zimbabwe went down, made a nice save, but it was a rebound that came out, and it came out as a bouncing rebound. And um, what had happened was Banga had gone a little bit ahead of the ball as it was coming out, so he had to turn around, put his back to the goal, and then do the bicycle kick, and it was absolutely gorgeous. Well done, right in the middle of the net. Um, and Zimbabwe, or rather, uh, Cameroon comes away with a one nothing uh, win uh, over Zimbabwe. Now, there was also an incident at the game which kind of caught me off guard. And I, I folks, I can't make this stuff up. Um, Zimbabwe is claiming that Cameroon tried to put some witchcraft into the situation, into the game. Uh, the reason they're saying this is because a dead bat was found on the field. I, I'm, I'm trying to you know, get more details on this. I, I can't find anything. Um, it, the, the, the story has kind of just come and gone. Um, I don't know what, what, what the situation is, but uh, this is this is what uh, was said. So I don't know whether it's here or there, but uh, just to let you all know, I want to keep you informed of everything going on. Uh, there was a claim of witchcraft made by Zimbabwe against uh, Cameroon in the game. All right. Um, as I said, uh, Total, the company of French Oil and Gas, is uh, is the big sponsor. Yamaha has also gotten in on this particular uh, uh, time of the uh, of the championship. They have donated 1,000 soccer balls uh, for use there in Cameroon, which I think is a great move. And uh, congratulations to Yamaha on that. So now, the way the the, uh, the fans are going to be worked out in the stadiums, you're going to have 25% capacity. Uh, in the three stadiums during the group stage. Once it comes out of the group stage and everything is going all, where, all right, uh, what the Cameroonian government and the Minister of Health have decided is that they will up it to 50% capacity for the elimination games from the quarterfinals on, which would be kind of interesting. And hopefully maybe this is a model that can be followed if it goes well. Let's just uh, keep our fingers crossed and, and make sure everything goes right. But, you know, one, once again, merci beaucoup to, uh, to Cameroon for taking on this thing. And also, as I said, they're going to host the Africa Cup of Nations when that gets ramped up here later on this year. So uh, that's going on. We will keep you posted um, as the uh, games go on. They'll be uh, playing every day this week. There'll be uh, two games uh, played and uh, uh, be in sport extra and uh, be in sport. uh, Another uh, affiliation of be in sport is going to carry the games. If you're interested and you can get it, Uh, it's great football. Uh, These, these guys are super talented. Uh, I watched some of the video from uh, some of the other games that have been played, and my goodness, uh, wow, I was really impressed. Uh, kind of an interesting situation that I had, uh, ended up in one of the uh, in one of the groups. Uh, you've got DR Congo and Congo in the same group, and they played on Sunday. Uh, DR Congo winning the game one nil. Uh, I watched the video of the game. Uh, very clean game for all intents and purposes. I was very impressed with the sportsmanship. Very impressed with the ball movement by these two teams. Just amazing the way they move the ball up and down the field uh, with finesse and speed, but also with uh, accurate passing. So uh, this tournament is really something to watch. And if you get a chance, go to YouTube, if nothing else, and just dial in You know the game. The, you can bring up the games that were on that day and uh, just watch the video. The, these these uh, players down there in uh, Africa playing in this tournament are really something to see. So congratulations to all the, everybody all the way around. Looking forward to a great result from a great tournament, and we'll see how it goes. And again, I know the African nation as a whole, the Africa continent, I should say, as a whole, is extremely excited and uh, upbeat 
about this uh, turn of events because this has been a long time coming. So uh, we've been waiting for this. Uh, Africa has been too quiet since uh, things started getting back into somewhat of a normal rhythm uh, for world football. Okay, very good. Uh, another thing I want to tell you about is you know there are a lot of tournaments going on in Europe amongst the uh, different countries. They not only have their uh, leagues playing, but they also have these uh, uh, tournaments, uh, you know, championships within the country, like the Copa Super Copa Italia, which is the Italian Cup, and then you have the uh, Copa del Rey, which is in Spain. Uh, you get the idea. Well, over in Germany, they have one obviously going every year, and uh, gee, Bayern Munich got kind of a rude awakening. Um, they went up to the town of Kiel, K-I-E-L. If you're not familiar where this is, this is halfway between Hamburg and the Danish border. Uh, there's a part of Germany that sticks up there north of Hamburg, and uh, Kiel is up there on that peninsula. Uh, you can imagine what the weather's like this time of year up there. Okay, uh, that's enough said. Uh, currently, they're in third place uh, in the second division of the Bundesliga. Okay, Their actual name is Holstein Kiel. Uh, now, after 90 minutes with Bayern Munich in a uh, cup game, uh, it was 2-2. So they went to penalty kicks. Uh, snow started falling about uh, five minutes toward the end of uh, regulation time. Uh, they played overtime in the snow. Uh, I mean, big snowflakes falling. And um, there was no no goal. So they went to penalty kicks. Well, uh, Mark Roca steps up for, um, for Bayern Munich and hits a rather... I, I thought, and looking at the replay, it's kind of a weak shot. He didn't hit it with a whole lot of confidence, it seemed. And he hit it toward the right post. And the goalie for uh, Kiel, guy by the name of Jonas Gelios, who is a, a Greek, but he was born in Germany, uh, born in Augsburg, as a matter of fact. And he makes the save. So that left the game up to a guy named Finn Bartles, uh, who's a player for um, Holstein Kiel. He's uh, somewhat well-known there in the area. And he hit a beauty, won the game, Bayern Munich eliminated. Yes, the top team in the German Bundesliga, gone, okay? So uh, that that was kind of an embarrassing situation. So Holstein Kiel, I'm sure they were dancing in the streets of the city of Kiel for probably about three days after that, uh, after they eliminated Bayern Munich from that uh, cup game. So we'll keep an eye on Kiel as their next game comes up and see who they play and see how they do. And uh, we'll be kind of interesting to follow him, kind of a Cinderella-type story that we can kind of keep an eye on. All right, other news, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, you all know him, uh, he's, or De Bruyne, as they, as they say. Uh, he's the Belgian midfielder, plays for Man City. He's a great talent. I mean, one of the top midfielders in the world, if not one of the best in the world. Um, he has uh, sent the initial re-signing contract by Man City back to them with a very firm no. So we might have a little rift developing here to get De Bruyne in back under contract for Man City. Now, this this guy, let me, let me tell you, um, De Bruyne is kind of like the glue for Man City. He's that center midfielder that does the right pass, knows how to put the ball in the net, can get the counterattack going with the, with one pass. Uh, this kid is, I call him a kid because I remember when he started and he was a, a red-haired, freckle-faced Belgian that I thought, oh my gosh, this kid is amazing. Well, he has blossomed into the, one of the best soccer players in the world. And um, he is, you know, he keeps Man City going. And um, they better uh, figure out what they're going to do with him because they can't let him go. It's, it's, he's just too important to the team. So um, he wants to be the highest paid player in the EPL. This is what he's saying. Uh, he recently broke off his uh, working relationship with his agent, Patrick DeCoster, whom he had been with for years. 
Uh, he now does his own negotiating along with his father. So we've got a father-son team negotiating this contract. Very interesting to see how that all turns out. Uh, midfielder Max Meyer has left uh, Crystal Palace there in the EPL, and he's, uh, he's only been there about 56 games. Uh, departure was mutual, and he can now sign a contract as a free agent. Max Meyer is a good soccer player, uh, very heady, uh, good ball control. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. But again, he and Crystal Palace have parted ways uh, on, on somewhat good terms. Uh, you all know the name Mesut Ozil. Of course you do. He's been playing for Arsenal. He has been a stalwart at Arsenal. He was there when Austin, Arsen Wenger was the coach. And Ozil is a great player. I, I, watched, I love watching this guy play because he knows what to do with the ball. Uh, he knows how to how to move it. He knows how to score goals. Uh, he's just an all-around good player. Um, he has gone from Arsenal. Apparently, he and Arteta didn't hit it off straight uh, right away. So uh, there was a rumor that D.C. United from MLS was trying to get him to come over to the United States and play. And I was thinking to myself, boy, that'd be a nice gig. Uh, go over and play in the United States for a couple of years and then just pack it in and say, hey, you know, I had a great career. Well, apparently he wants more. So he has gone to, are you ready for this? He's gone to Fahrenbahce of Istanbul. Yeah, that's right. He went all the way. He's gone all the way to Turkey. Uh, I don't know if he's there yet, but uh, watching the Arsenal game on uh, on NBCSN on Monday, the announcer seemed to indicate that Ozil was no longer with the team. So I'm assuming he's probably in 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 that uh, flux area where he's packing bags and making arrangements, and then he'll be in Turkey probably maybe next week to play, uh, hook up with Fahrenbahce. Of course, as I told you, this January transfer window just brings out the money and everybody, and everybody wants to see what they can do. And, uh, we, you know, we'll go from there. Oh, by the way, speaking of money, and I don't know if you've heard this rumor, and boy, this one caught me off guard when I read it, and I had to I had to read it twice to make sure that I was going to get all the facts straight. But uh, h- hang on to your seatbelts on this one. Uh, Frank Lampard, the uh, coach of Chelsea, <laughs> he is going to go after Erling Holland at Dortmund. Oh, my word. Now, wait a minute. This I'm, I'm thinking like... Now, now uh, does Chelsea have? You know, does Chelsea want to lay out that cash to get Erling Holland down? Because there's something like a ninety million dollar transfer fee involved if Holland leaves Dortmund. Now, it, nothing's been confirmed, but apparently it's pretty well known that uh, Frank Lampard uh, wants to get uh, Holland at pretty much any price that they charge. I'm thinking like, wow, okay, that kind of leaves the door open, doesn't it? Now. Teams like Real Madrid and other big, uh, big European well-known teams have also expressed interest in Holland. But apparently, Lampard says, "I want Holland, and I want him at any cost." Ooh, okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one for sure because if Erling Holland now the the transfer wouldn't happen till the summer. Okay, it would not happen right away because uh, Holland's contract is up, I believe, uh, at the end of the season uh, with Dortmund. So uh, we will see what happens. Well, my goodness. I mean, checkbooks are just going to like faint uh, with that one because uh, the, the price that Holland is going to uh, bring is amazing. So keep our eye on that one. We'll see what, where it goes. All right. Now, for the other for the other shocker from the week involving Barcelona. My goodness. Told you about the cup games that get played in these different countries. And this is, uh, you know, Copa. this is the Super Copa of Spain. I told you about this game last week that uh, Barcelona was going to play uh, Atletico Bilbao from the Basque country. So basically, you've got the Basque against Catalonia. <clears throat> that's that's kind of an interesting matchup just in its own right. But when you've got 
Messi and Barcelona going against Atletico Bilbao, who are obviously the underdogs in this match, then uh, things could get a little, uh, how should we say, cheeky. Um, anyway, uh, it's it's uh, two to one um, Barcelona going in uh, to the last couple of minutes of the game, and Iser Villa Libre from uh, Atletico Bilbao, a really good soccer player, and he kind of under the radar because of all the talent that's in Spain. Uh, he ties the game in the 90th minute with a head goal. Okay, so they go to overtime, and in the 93rd minute, okay, so you're just basically barely into overtime. Okay, 93rd minute, Iñaki Williams. Uh, who is another one of great talent uh, at uh, Atletico Bilbao. He sneaks in a goal and by a goal, oh, look at this. We got a 3-2 game with Atletico Bilbao winning. And Barcelona is kind of sitting around going, what happened? Okay. So anyway, the game goes on, the game goes on, the game goes on. Barcelona gets more frustrated, more frustrated, more frustrated. And so apparently right toward the end of the uh, overtime period, there's about maybe a minute left or so. In the overtime, uh, in the second overtime, you know, it's two 15-minute uh, periods. Uh, apparently, Williams either says something to Messi or Messi just gets all bent out of shape over something. And uh, Messi, it's seen on, on video, VAR called it, uh, Messi pushes Williams to the ground. Well, the referee didn't see it because the play with the ball was at, you know, another, on another part of the field. But the VAR official called uh, the referee's attention to it. Referee saw it on the screen, went over to Messi and put a red card in his face. That's right. Messi got red carded. But there was only about a minute, maybe 40 seconds left in the game. So Messi goes off the field. First red card of his career. And um, uh, Barcelona goes home three to two losers in the Supercopa. And Atletico Bilbao, holy smoke. I think they're still dancing in the streets of Bilbao at this time uh, from this game. Because this was a major, major victory. The game, by the way, was played in Sevilla down in southern Spain. So it was uh, it was quite a Supercopa indeed. Okay, let's take our look around the leagues now uh, in the different uh, leagues there in Europe. And I mean, tell you, we got some horse races going on, folks. Uh, Man United up on top of EPL, but uh, Man City is right behind them. So again, you've got one city, two teams, top of the league, and the line is drawn down the middle, and it's going to get a little bit testier as time goes on. So Man United is on top with 37 points. They were 3-0-2 last five games. Man City, though, <laughs> went 5-0 last five games. Oh, my goodness. And they're still two points behind Man United. That's 35 points. Leicester City, the Foxes, will not go away. And trust me, with the talent they've got, they will not go away, okay? So if I were the two Manchester teams, I would be looking over my shoulder somewhat nervously and know that the pressure is on. Okay, uh, Man Leicester City went 3-0-2 last five games. They're at 35 points tied with Man City. Then Liverpool, uh, 34 points. Don't ever count Liverpool out, down and out. No, no, no. Don't ever count them down and out. Not with Jurgen Klopp at the helm. Okay, uh, Tottenham at 33 points is right behind them. So in the top five, you've got four points separating first place from fifth place in the EPL. Uh, Arsenal with Arteta, now they have been doing very, very well. This past 10 days, uh, they've been 4-0-1 in their last five games, and they moved up to 10th place, and they're at 27 points, only 10 points behind Man United. But you know what? With Arteta and his talent and his, the way he thinks, uh, don't count Arsenal out either. He's got some talent there today. I was watching them on Monday uh, play, and they were looking very, very good. The passing was amazing. And uh, I'll tell you what, David Luiz was uh, doing very well at that center defender position. Wow. Uh, he is a he is a force to reckon with. So 
Uh, EPL, good horse race. Well, speaking of horse races, <laughs> let's go to League 1, where we got PSG at 42 points. That's 42 for those of you that don't speak French. And Lille, guess what? They are tied with them at 42 points. Wow. Okay. Then Lyon at 40. Monaco has come up dramatically in the standings. They are now in fourth place in Ligue 1, 36 points, 4-0-1 last five games. Monaco's making a run, folks. Look out. Rennes, 36 points as well, 3-0-2 their last five games. So that is a tight horse race there. Uh, it could get even tighter as time goes on. La Liga, down there in Spain, Atletico Madrid, 41 points, four points clear of Real Madrid. Again, same city, two different teams. Uh-oh, draw that line down the middle. 5-0 for Atletico Madrid this past week. That's right, 5-0. 3-0-2 for Real Madrid this past week. And then Barcelona, well, he told them about them in the Supercopa, but of course in league action, uh, they're in third place with 34 points. They're seven points behind first place. Hmm. That's not going to go over well with the Barcelona faithful, I can tell you that. 4-0-1 for Barcelona this past five games. Villarreal holding in uh, steady at 32, and Real Sociedad is in fifth place at 30 points. Real Sociedad, remember, good team. They were on top of the league for a while. Okay, they've fallen off a little bit because the uh, heat is coming from the two Madrids, but uh, don't count Real Sociedad out. That's a good, good football team. How about Serie A, AC Milan? 43 points. Inter Milan, 40 points. Hmm, same city. Draw that line down the middle. We've got some real good races going, folks, in Europe. Uh, AC Milan, 43. Inter Milan, 40. Then Napoli with 34 points. Roma with 34 points. And Juventus at 33 in fifth place. So, again, a good horse race there in the Italian league. Bayern Munich continues to lead over there in the uh, Bundesliga, and that's becoming a good race as well. Mexico. Uh, they started their season, as I told you, and we've got two undefeated teams already so far. Two games, I know, but it's a big deal, right? Monterrey, Los Rayados, six points, two wins. Santos Laguna from Torreon, Mexico, six points, two wins. Okay, and they beat Tigres uh, the other day, 2-0 at Torreon. Shut them out. So we'll see uh, how long that continues. Pumas uh, stalled to a good start with four points, along with Toluca and Puebla. Now, Puebla, we haven't heard from in a while. La Franca is, uh, is down there in uh, outside Mexico City, and uh, Puebla needs to maybe get their acting gear and look at this chance to maybe uh, stay there in the top uh, part of the uh, Mexico League. So we'll see how the season unfolds. Again, Monterrey and Santos undefeated in their first two games in the Mexican League. Coming up this week in world football, well, we got Leicester City and Chelsea on Tuesday at NBCSN, 3.15 Eastern time. Roma and Spezio on ESPN Plus at 3.15 Eastern Time, and Leverkusen and Dortmund over there in the Bundesliga, ESPN Plus at 2.30 Eastern Time. Wednesday, Leipzig and Union Berlin in Bundesliga action. That's ESPN Plus at 2.30 Eastern. And then uh, Juventus and Napoli are going to be on ESPN 2 Wednesday afternoon. This will be a good game. Uh, north against South. And I'll tell you, whenever the North plays the South in Italy in football, <laughs> Katie, bar the door. It's going to get nasty. Okay. Juventus and Napoli, ESPN 2, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday. Thursday, now, Cor Cornella, I'm sorry, Cornella, uh, the team that beat um, Real Madrid in the, um, in the uh, Copa del Rey is going to play Barcelona on Thursday, ESPN Plus, and it's at Cornella. 
and that's at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Copa Italia on Thursday, Lazio and Parma on ESPN Plus, 3.15 Eastern time. Friday, don't forget PSG and Montpellier in Ligue 1. That's going to be on BN Sport at 3 o'clock Eastern, PSG and Montpellier. That'll be a good matchup. Okay, folks, that's the time we've got. And thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Dan McClay. Lauren McClay is our technical producer. John Dang handles our sound. DC McClay is in the ideas department. Now, remember, keep those hands washed and social distancing, please, so we can get this coronavirus out of our lives once and for all, okay? We just need to get this thing out of here and take all kinds of good measures to make sure that it's gone. So let's do that. And oh, by the way, don't let your life have too many yellow cards.